Hello, who are you? My name's Jamie Newman. Do we know each other? Well, we know each other by happenstance uh, or by God's providence, however you want to choose to put that type of thing together. How do we know each other? Well, we're both crazy enough to go to a, a, a small gathering called The Sin. Small, yes. About yeah, 60,000 people, small. Yes, and I remember meeting you in the airport, and um, that was a very special day for me. That was a day when the Holy Spirit fell on me, and I received a touch from God that day. Really impactful day for me. Just as you were leaving the state? No, I, we were dropping someone off at the airport. Oh, Okay. As a matter of fact, we were there a couple of days ahead of time. I invested a tremendous amount of time and resources into this trip. I sponsored uh, four or five people to go and really had a strong belief that something special was going to happen at that event. And I wanted every, as many people that were from Portland to catch it as possible. And so we went to the Sin and we flew in there and rented an Airbnb. We went to the Sin and I remember walking into the stadium for the first time. I had never been to Florida before. And as I was walking into the entrance of it, the magnitude finally hit me. All the investment, all the time, all the anticipation that had built up to it. I remember walking out onto the field of a stadium, which I've never really done since 1992 in Portland, Oregon, when Billy Graham had a crusade. It was the only other time that I'd been in a stadium, even close to that. But anyway, I look up at the clock when I walk in and the sun shining down on us and everything just seemed right. And there's a minute and 43 seconds to go before the event starts. And I remember trying to get a decent place to sit. And as we walked up, the clock hit zero. And at the very perfect time that the clock could hit zero, and only timing that God can do, I felt the drop hit my head as though it was a raindrop. But I could, it was, there was like energy in this drop that hit my head. And I thought, well, that's weird. That felt like that was God or something. I, I don't know what to make of that, but it's really going to be a good day. <laughs> I can remember thinking that. And somehow my old 48-year-old body managed to worship God for 12 hours that day. And I wasn't lax at all. There was no laziness in me whatsoever. We were just jumping up and down with those kids. And we sang and we sang and we sang and we sang our hearts out uh, to the glory of God. And Oh, what a wonderful time. We got to witness uh, a lot of young people being filled with the Spirit of God. And it was, it was wonderful. Most of the guys that I brought with me, they all really got touched by God at that event. And after that event, um, we left and we went out and went to get to our car. And there was a drunk guy that was kind of watching over the cars, making talk with everybody that came to get in their cars. And he had really bad health problems. And the people that were in front of us had just left and they, we could tell that they had prayed for him because they were all excited about, you know, praying for people and the different things that were happening during the event. And the guy didn't get healing and he was kind of mocking just a little bit what, what was going on. Cause he was, you know, he's really drunk. This guy was drunk and his name was Michael. And I can remember really feeling faith over this guy. And saying, that's just not okay that like we just had this event and Michael the drunk can't get like healed in his body. And so our team uh, gathered around him and he, he let us do that. And God completely healed Michael, threw his cane away and he was just rejoicing. And, and when it finally hit him that God had actually healed him, he came up to our car and stuck his arm in the car and said, my arm is bad too. And if it wasn't enough, God healed his arm too. It was wonderful. But that was a moment of faith. It was faith rising in, in our lives. It was faith rising in Michael's life. But that really put our group of five guys on a trajectory of some really cool things that happened after that.
So me and these guys, we leave, and the next day we go to Jesus Image. And Jesus Image was a really cool experience. Now, one of the fellas that I brought was my age. And he's a guy that um, I've been doing ministry with this guy for a lot of years. We've led a lot of people to the Lord over the years, but not through really power encounters of the Spirit. So this was new for me and him to be in this realm of the miraculous, right? So Gilberto and myself, which I hope you get a chance to interview Gilberto. He'll have some fun things to add to this podcast. But Gilberto and I, we went to this Jesus image thing and the craziest gifting manifested on Gilberto. He would start praying for people and these people would fall down under the power of God and start having visions on the ground. <laughs> so Gilberto and I, we had a magnificent time. We were doing ministry that night, really for the second time ever, where the manifest presence of God is, is, is just doing blowout miracles in front of us. And we see Bill Johnson from Bethel preaching on a television screen outside because there's no room for us inside. And I remember thinking, man, this is the coolest thing I've ever seen in my life. I love this guy so much. He's so humble and so persistent with the idea of bringing revival to the earth. And I remember some of the words that he said, I still remember, and they've become like a real treasure and tools that I use in my life. Uh, let me quote one of those. He said, he quoted a verse that Paul gave to Timothy where he says, take the prophetic words that were spoken over you and use them as weapons against the enemy. So when you feel defeated or when life just isn't working good, he's calling a remembrance to the beautiful words of destiny that have been spoken over your, in your past that are potentials for you to walk into. Those are invitations from God that carry the grace to see them to fruition should you receive that and go for it. And so I've had some pretty cool words spoken over me in the past. Some of the things that the Father has decided were in my potential and something that he's given me the grace to follow. And so I've just been packing those in my heart and holding them dear. And that's held me through some times when I thought I wasn't gonna be fruitful in ministry. Uh, I didn't, wasn't destined for great things. And so we went home after that. And before we went home, we met Nathan in the airport. And what happened is we we're dropping off a friend and Gilberto, me and another good friend called Devin Pratt, we're walking through the airport. We run into a gal, which I hope you get a chance to interview Lauren Renee. I hope so too. Yeah, Lauren Renee. She's in the airport, just kind of rattled, right? And so Lauren, she sees a shirt that Devin has on it. Oh, it says Romans 15, 20, something like that. And she shouts in the airport, what does that mean? I've been seeing that in my head all day. And so Devin just kind of stops in the airport. And I'm standing to the side and I'm thinking, this is an interesting thing. I knew that God was on it. I could feel the presence of God in the area. I just didn't know where it was going. But he turned around and looked at her and had this kind of cocky look on his face. And he didn't say anything. And she said something again, like, what does it mean? And Devin says, what do you need? And she didn't say anything. She just looked kind of confused. And he, he's got this cocky look on his face. He says, no, what do you need? And I don't know how it happened. I don't know if she approached him or he approached her. But he ends up giving her this huge hug. And just a few moments later, she just starts breaking out into tears. And at the very second that one of those tears hits the ground, the Holy Spirit fell on me. And I just fell down on the ground and started laughing. And I've, I didn't know what was happening. I just knew that something was really funny. And the joy of the Lord overcame me, really. And, oh, it took an hour to, for us to find 15 minutes way home. 
I was so drunk in the Holy Spirit that even my GPS on my phone was drunk. It took us forever to find our way home, but we laughed the whole way home and we got there. And uh, really that marked me. Just a few days after we got home from the sin, we had to go to Argentina for a missions trip with a group of guys. And some of the most beautiful miracles happened in that place. And of course, the greatest miracle was that a little over 900 people got saved. It was wonderful. We saw the power of God work in so many ways. We saw people get out of wheelchairs and backs healed and emergency rooms were cleared out on multiple occasions of people that were waiting in line for care. And oh, the I've got so many stories that I could tell if you had the time to hear them. But to make a long story short, our little band of guys got back from Argentina and we've been doing ministry together ever since. And of course, I've kept in contact with Nathan here and, and Lauren and Gilberto. And uh, we've decided that we should be friends because the spirit of God has, has made us friends and family. So if I might ask, it's, it seems like the, the way that God has been working in your life in particular last year, it's been amazing and powerful. How has God been working in your life over the last week? Okay, let me think of the most appropriate way to say. First of all, we're in the middle of a coronavirus quarantine. I'm blessed in that I work in an agricultural business where I'm not shut down. A lot of people are, but I'm not. But one of the things that's happened for me is that the people who would normally be at work are now stuck in their homes. And they're spending a lot of time in their yard. So we're getting a lot of people to come and visit us in our business. And the Lord has really given me some power tools on sharing Jesus with people. So we see a lot of people get healed. Uh, If we strike a conversation with these various homeowners, we're seeing a lot of people get healed. And it's giving us an opportunity to share Jesus with them. And they're listening. And our agricultural workers, they've all been healed. And they have friends that come and spend time with them work and their friends get healed. And they go back to their jobs. And so they're taking Jesus quite seriously. And we have a good number of just, you know, landscaping customers and stuff that come in. And we're seeing God move in their lives too. So really what's happening is God is pouring out his spirit in this area. And we're seeing him move among the willing is the best way I could say it. I think he's willing to use anybody. And to those who are willing to be used by him, he's using them to bring glory to his name. I think on my end, I don't have a story that's nearly as inspiring. I, over over the last week, I think I've been facing my biggest crisis of faith that I've, I've had in quite some time. I'm not afraid to get the coronavirus. Uh, I'm not afraid of being unemployed, of losing money and having to live on the streets. Those kinds of fears are not necessarily at the forefront for me uh, as much as they would be for other people. But two things happened. Uh, first of all, there, there was a group of people who I met at the Send who I had encountered. I had uh, prayed for one of them, and I later found out that they felt like God was calling them to take part in a long-term project like something that was meant to last for years and years and years until probably the end of their lives. And it it felt really encouraging watching these people take on that project and being willing to go beyond themselves in order to uh, help each other out. And then I didn't hear anything from them. I eventually thought to myself, something's going wrong here. And I I found out a couple days ago that one of the people involved in the project had uh, jumped ship to another project. And so watching that, 
I had to ask myself the question, like, were they still following God's calling? Was it just too hard for them? Did God not call them in the first place? What does that say about like my own callings in life? And the second thing that that happened to sort of trigger that crisis of faith, there was a social activist group that I had run afoul some time back. And in, in the midst of uh, this coronavirus panic, it seemed like I, I had a chance to get back into the group and work through my issues with the people there because uh, we were facing crisis and now is the time to work together, not to fight with each other. I, I took part in an online meeting, talked to one of the leaders afterwards, he seemed to indicate that it was it was fine for me to come back. And then a couple of weeks later, I found out that it wasn't going to happen. And so there was just like having to face that disappointment yet again of wanting to be part of something greater and then getting shut out because of stupid decisions I've made in the past. And then the frustrating thing is that I know that I have a purpose and a place in this group, because that is a logical follow through from what God has promised me in the past. And so the question for me, is sort of like when you when you have a story, and you know what part of the ending entails, and you want to believe that the story is going to go a certain way, because it can end a certain way. And then you find out that it doesn't go the way that you expected. And then you have to wonder to yourself, well, how do we get to the ending? And so like, that's, that's just been a very big crisis of faith for me of just like, how seriously am I going to take God's promises that he's given for me in life? Should I just give up and abandon those promises? Because it would just be easier to do that. I, I think if I have an answer, it's, it's the answer is you, you stick with the promises until new information comes and if, if the information says otherwise, then you reevaluate. But like that requires a lot of patience and waiting. And there's a part of me that's just like, I don't want to do that. But I think that's a process. That's a process between me and God. God's not afraid of process. No. Would you care to hear about some of my process? Sure. This is, I'm in my 29th year of faith. Okay. I grew up in a Lutheran church, but never took that any kind of serious or did not like that at all. I was more into like rock and roll and things that felt good in my flesh, you know, sex, drugs, and rock and roll. And the manifestation of women, like in my late teens and stuff, that was a big draw. And I went off the deep end and really got to a point where I start, finally started to feel broken when I was in my early 20s and finally got humbled enough through some really dark stuff that I called out to God and God humbled me and got a Bible, had a had an encounter with God and spent five, six years of victory, got addicted to pornography as a Christian, spent 20 years battling that, knowing that it's wrong, having times of victory and times of failure. And 10 years ago, I found myself with the disability, my, the disc went out of my neck and started taking painkillers and got addicted to painkillers. So here's a guy that's been saved for 20 years, addicted to painkillers, addicted to pornography. And oh, maybe so, you know, several months before I went to the sin, the Holy Spirit 
freed me from the pornography addiction. And then two months after that, a friend of mine from Bethel came and prayed for me and I got healed in my neck. And then I quit the drugs and started working hardcore on sanctification. And I'm starting to see a lot of miracles and stuff. I'm walking into the promises of God now, but that's been 29 years. And he patiently waited for me through the my years of process. And I'm still in process, but I'm starting to see some of the promises that were spoken over me. But it's been 29 years. And I'm not ready to answer all the reasons why I had to fight pornography for so long when the Holy Spirit himself broke that off of me. You know, back, it was September 19th of 2018 when he broke that off of me. And it was um, November 19th of the same year that he healed my neck. And so I understand process, Nathan. It's frustrating. Yeah, it is. So if I might ask then, you're uh, currently living in Portland, right? Yeah. Well, in the outskirts, just east of Portland. You've been living there your entire life. Yeah. Portland's not really known for being a Christian city, is it? No, Portland's not. It's either the least or the second least churched city in the country. So how do you grow in faith in a city like Portland? And how do you do ministry in a place like that? Well, Portland doesn't have any cultural Christianity. And so it doesn't breed, I'm not going to use the word lukewarm, but it doesn't breed a lot of religious Christianity. You're either in it or you're out having fun. You know, it's not a culturally applaudable thing to go to church. So nobody just goes to church and pretends unless they've been there 20 years and they're around church people, right? So I wasn't out there telling people that I was addicted to pornography during those times. I wasn't hiding it, but I wasn't telling people what I was struggling with either. So in my own heart, there was, you know, I have to admit that there was some cultural Christianity going on. But for the most part, I don't find it difficult here because the people who go there have some fervency to them. You know, they choose, the people that are there choose to be there and they're not there to be applauded or to do better in business or something like that. They're there because they want to be there. Or they're not there for like social brownie points. That's right. Yeah, it's not a cultural thing. How receptive would you say people are to the gospel, the non-churched citizens of Portland? Well, it depends on where you talk to the people at. If you can get an opportunity to talk to the people in their homes or you have a relationship with those people, it's good. It's really, really good. They're very open. If you're trying to catch people in a place where they're on their way to work or on their way to go somewhere or something like that, it's difficult because people really value their time here and people have a lot of money here. So it's difficult. You got to catch people when they're either alone or in their homes where they're not doing stuff before they're going to sit down and have an honest conversation with you. Now I'm talking about going there and just sharing the Lord. However, if you get words of knowledge or are praying and God moves on their body and they get healed, that's an entirely different animal. They'll open up. That takes out of season preaching and makes it in season. Yeah, it's power tools, you know. So does that make sense? So when people experience like a word of knowledge or they experience a miracle, is their first thought in mind, oh, this is of God. This is... Oh, yeah. Or would they be thinking this is something along the lines of New Age? No, they think it's from God. And frankly, it doesn't even surprise people too much anymore because New Age, I would say, is the dominant paradigm here now. Most people have experienced new age now. It used to, 10 or 15 years ago, that wouldn't have been the case. Or if we were to go to a smaller town where most of the people go to church, that wouldn't be the case. But here, it works quite well. In fact, a decent percentage of the people will comment like, uh, yeah, I don't, that's not, I'm not going to really go there. But I'll just say that people are very open to that here. 
are people open to the idea that uh, they're sinners in need of grace? Yes, they are, but it's still like pulling teeth to get people to take uh, repentance seriously. There's so many choices here. There's just so many, so many choices. The television set has done a really good job of programming how people think. It's hard to get people to think, to change the way they think. I can tell you that that's still a problem. I feel like that hasn't taken a corrective course where we're going to see mass cultural transformation yet. I haven't seen the vehicle yet that's going to bring mass cultural transformation. When you're saying the television set, are you talking like metaphorically or like literally people are just stuck at home? They care more about what's on Netflix and Amazon Prime than just... No, what I'm saying is that people have watched so much television here that they've allowed their mindsets to be created by the programming so the programming is basically discipled the people and so that it's more it's a lot of work to have someone unlearn the programming in that way i don't even watch television i haven't had broadcast television in well 26 years that i've been married and i always think that i'm like why do people think i'm weird (laughs) when i talk to them it's because we have different programming we have completely different programming so when they, I'm like a fish that's not in the water in their world or and vice versa. We think differently because we have different, we've just been raised differently. You don't have the same language. Yeah, we have a completely different mindset. We've been a different worldview. Isn't Portland supposed to be stereotypically countercultural though? Isn't it kind of the, the place that would issue watching TV all day? Um, I don't think that Portland is everything that Port- the movie Portlandia thinks it is. I mean, you got a handful of people that have moved here from the Northeast, and you got a handful of people that have moved here from California and, and some other places, and then you've got people that are from, that were born and raised in Portland, like myself. And for the most part, people in Portland value, they value recreation. They value sincere relationships, real relationships, even if it's the countercultural group and a bunch of hippies. People are still craving authenticity. And for that reason, I like the city that I live in. I, li- I like my hippie friends. I like my countercultural people. I mean, I'm not too crazy about the Antifa group and some of those like crazy writers, but I don't even think they're from here. I just think they're like invading the place. I like where I live. I like it. I wish that people would wake up and find Jesus and get saved and let him change their mindset. That's what I'd really like to have. I like living here and I love the people that I live around. So two questions I'd want to ask sort of spinning off from that. First of all, do you know anyone from Antifa? I don't know anybody from Antifa. Okay. I I don't go downtown when they're around. To me, I just rather would just let it fizzle out, let them go be dorks and let them like not get any action and just go back to where they were. The second question that I wanted to ask, how exactly could you want entertainment and authenticity at the same time? Like, isn't that kind of a paradox? No, no, I don't think so. I mean, when I talk about authenticity, I mean like engaging in real relationships and when I mean entertainment, I don't mean devouring television programming i'd be more talking about like outdoor recreation there's a lot of recreational opportunities here like jet skiing yeah man there's rivers everywhere we've got mountains that have skiing available here there's sand dunes and trails where people ride motorcycles and every kind of hiking imaginable there's just every kind of recreation opportunity you could imagine here and People value that. And I'd say for the most part, you know, it's a, that's all good, clean stuff. But we, it does rain a lot here. We get a lot of rain. And so people spend some time indoors. 
and um, people have allowed their themselves to become programmed. Like we're in the matrix or something. Yeah, I mean, even, listen, I went to Africa back in 2005 and 2007, okay? And even the Africa, I preached in a church in Africa, and they asked me to preach on a certain subject that I thought was important. And I asked them, why do they have a problem with AIDS there? Why is AIDS such a problem? And a youth pastor told me that they like to experiment with sexual stuff. And I said, well, what do you mean? He goes, well, you know, we watch television here and, you know, whatever you see on television one day, the next day is being practiced in Africa. This is Nairobi that I'm in. I'm like, really? Okay. So I preached on television and television programming when I was there and it really impacted them. They thought for sure that everything that was done on television here is how life was here. And they heard that we were a Christian country. So they didn't have a lot of, at least on the surface, they pretended like they could live the lifestyles they see on our television programs. And that's consistent with Christian faith because we're like a Christian country. And I, I very sharply said, that's just not true. I mean, there's a good percentage of us that don't, we don't watch television at all. And we're just terrified at the idea that we're, you know, looking at pornography from time to time, let alone living a life you see on our television programming. It's kind of a paradox of like America is always saying that it's a Christian nation. And then you take a look at the, the entertainment it exports and it's not really reflective of that kind of value. Yeah, it's not. It's real important for people to read the, read and understand their Bibles. Can I talk for just a minute about Romans 5, 6, 7, and 8? Go ahead. A couple of years ago, I was reading my Bible, New Living Translation. It was the first time I'd ever read a paraphrased Bible through Romans. I never really had a lot of place in my heart to read a paraphrased Bible through an epistle because epistles give instruction on how to live life. And as I read that section of scripture, I realized in the living, New Living Translation that when Paul says that this life that I want to live, I can't live. And, you know, he makes it sound like hopeless, like there's no way to live the life that he wants to live. I realized when I read that translation that he was talking about before he was saved, that he's, Paul's going back and forth from the law to grace, and he's contrasting the two different covenants. And I realized in a moment that I had no excuse for my sin. I had used that section of scripture to excuse myself for sin for a long time. And that was the beginning of true consecrated living and conviction for me. And when that consecrated life manifested for me, power came on me in a big way. And I don't, I'm not going to say that God hadn't gifted me or something before, but I will say this. I didn't have reckless confidence in God because I wasn't intimate with him. I was choosing other things to be intimate with. And so when he became more real to me and through intimacy, my life took on power. And you were able to do more. You were able to impact more people. Yeah. I'm seeing God move through my life. It isn't just me out there using clever words, but I'm able to bring that second Corinthians part of scripture where it says, we don't come to you with wise words, but with the demonstration of the spirit's power. So the Holy Spirit is not being quenched. The Holy Spirit is not being grieved in the same way. And he's manifesting, and, and this is how it's supposed to be. It's supposed to be like this. We're supposed to carry an encounter with God with us. Are you like the only person you know who is living in this kind of power? Or are you, is, is, are you, are you part of like a wider church community? I would say that I, I'm, I am part of a wider church. There's not too many people that walk in and out in my area of Portland, but especially in Vancouver, Washington, and some other places in Portland, I, there's probably a couple hundred of us that I know of. A couple hundred's not bad. Well, it's a city of four million or three million. We could use some more. Hey, Gideon was able to overthrow the Midianites with just 300 men. Yeah. 
Well, we're looking to disciple, you know, hopefully 3 million people. We want to see them all saved, not just a remnant. We want them all saved. Assuming you can get close to those 3 million people and not have them shout at you for breaking social distancing rules. Yeah, well, we're doing what we can do. Yeah. I have to cut this recording short. I have another engagement that I need to attend to at the moment. Before I go and sign off on this, is there anything that you want to plug? Is there anything, any last words that you want to say? Yes, I'd like to bless all of the list, everybody listening in the name of Jesus. I pray that the presence of the Most High would come on you, would rest on you, and that you would become an encounter with God for other people. I pray that Jesus would heal your soul and forgive your sins. I pray that he would heal your body from the top of your head to the bottom of your feet completely. I pray that he would deliver you from the enemy and every manifestation that the enemy would like to do and that he would prosper you in your lives, that your bank accounts would reflect the blessings that are happening in your spirit. And so in Jesus' name, I just command blessing on you and want to encourage you and tell you that he is with you and that he loves you and that you have the spirit of adoption. If you have uh, come into a relationship with him and not an orphan spirit, you are completely accepted before him. And I would just like to say that the devil would love to have all of us feeling like we're still orphans and that we have to earn God's favor. But the truth is that God loves us so much that he sent his own son for us. And if he didn't even withhold his own son, how would he withhold anything from us at that point? So be encouraged. I bless you in the name of Jesus and thank you for the time. Thank you. Thank you for talking, Jamie. This has been Because We're Not the Same, a podcast hosted, produced, and edited by Nathan Raymond Ray, with special guest Jamie Newman. To listen to more episodes, you can follow us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, Verbal, iHeartRadio, or Podbean. You can also visit our Facebook page or our website, bwntscast.wordpress.com. If you're interested in coming on the show as a guest, feel free to reach out to us and we'll see about having you on. Thank you for listening.